Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Craig Fowler, and I am joined via Riverside by Craig Anderson. Craig, how's it going? I'm doing very well. Very well after the um, the weekend, after Friday night, and after uh, getting my flights to Germany booked. That's making me making me look forward to the next nine months. I mean, more than nine months, ten months until the tournament happens. No, no, nine months is about right. Well, ah, you've got a long time to wait, but yes, something to very, very much look forward to the end of this season. I hope that tomorrow night will be uh, the absolute confirmation. Um, there's, there's two matches that we're interested in, and the one we're playing in is the second most interesting. <laughs> Even though it's against England. Yes. Uh, I will I will happily uh, just accept the qualification. Um, that's the priority. Yeah, oh, yeah, certainly. It would be great to beat England as well, because we'd... Um... If we can do them do them simultaneously, that would be... Yeah, oh, yeah, what a, sorry, what a night. I, I, it feels like that's just too much to, to hope for now. I mean, what, what has to happen for, for that to have, balance out in terms of the universe? I mean, the Scotland just have to end up underwater in a few weeks' time if that's to happen. Is it not just the previous uh, 60 years of the Scotland that's, national That's team? true, yeah. to be fair, that's true. We're due. We're due some good times, some happy times. And yeah, who knows? But we're not here to talk about that because, I mean, Scotland, England. I, I think I said in the podcast with Telford that I was going to be doing a, a, a preview yourself on this game, but I, I don't think we're going to do that, to be honest, because I don't know really what much else we can say. There wasn't a lot to, to for those who listened to podcasts with myself and Telford, there wasn't a lot to analyse about the Scotland win over Cyprus because Scotland just had it in the bag within half an hour. And, you know, arguably even say had it in the bag within 16 minutes. Cyprus looked terrible. Scotland looked continually impressive. I'd imagine it'd be a similar sort of team to play against England. And England are better than us, so they would still likely win the game. But are England as good as Spain? Yeah, maybe. But you could definitely see Spain beating England. In fact, have they not beaten them not that long ago? Am I right in saying? I mean, apart from anything, England lost four 0 at home to Hungary less than a year ago. So yeah, so yeah, so we've got a chance. We've definitely got a chance. I don't, I don't really think there's much else to say about that other than maybe talking about Elliot Anderson perhaps being a bit of a. I was going to say a turncoat, but I don't know. Is he a turncoat for maybe choosing us in the first place? Is he a double turncoat? 
Yes, well, we, we don't know what's going on there. Ah, yeah, so there's that as well. There seems to be a bit of whispers that he's... That there's kind of paper talk that he he pulled out because he, he didn't feel comfortable. <laughs> that, 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 that doesn't bode well. It, it feels like... It feels like um, if he's a sub for Newcastle at 20, is he going to play for England? I don't think so, but um, if he wants to try, up to him. Yeah, and England, England have given it the chat of, like, oh, yeah, he's a player we like, but they're always going to say that. They're not going to be yeah. like, ah, no, we're, not gonna, we're never going to call him up. Yeah. He's rubbish. Um, well, yeah, what would be the point? Yes, because then he might, he might turn out good. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not going to bother talking about that, so we're going to take a break from the international stuff, and we're going to go back to domestic matters, and we're going to do something that's been a staple of the Terrace podcast over the last, uh, I don't know, four or five seasons. We usually do it at the outset of the campaign, but it, it sometimes doesn't make sense to do it then because you'll often have teams haven't signed anybody, and that is the best and worst signings for each team in the top flight. Not only does it not make sense in that there's like, for instance, Hearts. This typically when we record this, I think Hearts would have only made like two signings because we usually do it the the week before the season starts. We will do it as like the first show on the Thursday, and then we'll have the Monday preview for the top flight, and then the lower league preview. So it's like ten days before the season begins, nine or ten days, and it's just not only are we dealing with very few players in general, we're also we can only really look at these players on Y Scout, and we're limited in the time we can kind of look at them all. So we, it's just a lot easier to do it now where we've got a sample size from. A few of the players, not all of them, because some did sign late in the window, but we've got a, a, a kind of sample size for most of them. We've seen them in action. We could talk about it in, you know, a, a kind of at least kind of broader analytical analytical terms rather than just going, ah, I, he's probably going to be rubbish because he signed from X club or X league or Australia. There's probably still going to be some of that, but, but just not as much. That's where the fun comes in, though. You have to, you can't, you can't completely exclude it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, we'll see how we go. Uh, will we do this in alphabetical order or reverse or just just do an alphabetical order? I don't think anyone cares as deeply as people think they do when they start to do a weird order. Just just start from Aberdeen and we'll be fine. Cool. Okay, Aberdeen. Right. Who have you got for best signing for Aberdeen? I couldn't. I couldn't make my mind up on this one, but and and I didn't want to be boring and pick the player that was already there last season. Um, but. Considering how much it costs to sign him permanently and his performances so far this season, he would also perhaps be incorrect. <laughs> but I, I do think ultimately it will be Leighton Clarkson. I think yeah. he's, a, he's a very good. It's like a very boring thing to say. He's a very good player. I even thought I know I know the the performance um, in in the Europa League game was criticised a little bit and probably correctly so because he should have should have beaten Hacking, but. I actually thought there were little signs of what having like him and McGrath in the same midfield could be like when they're on the turn and they are both looking to play those forward passes and the wide areas and the forwards and stuff like that. I think that's going to be a key part of how Aberdeen plays. I think he's one of those players who is excellent at going getting the ball from the defence and quickly getting it out to attackers. And I think that's a big big element of what Robson wants to do with the Aberdeen team. So. Yeah, as much as it's quite a boring answer, and I thought about like there's there's some things I've liked from from some of the signings. I think McGarry looks like um looks like it could be quite good. I think Rubizic has elements that will make him quite good. He's an aggressive player, all the rest of it. But I think all the rest of them, the jury's still out on. Whereas with him, it's like yeah, he's just, he's just going to be good. It's not. I don't think it's another Dylan Levitt situation, for example. 
Okay, I've moved away from that just because of how much they paid for him and the fact that he's not played particularly well so far this season. He was even, I think he was left off on the bench, was he not, for the for the game against Hibs. I've instead gone for somebody who is a, like a fairly, a bit more of a newer signing compared to some of the other players that they brought in in this transfer window. Um, but he did manage to play well in the last two games, despite the fact that his teammates were not. And I think that's generally a sign of somebody pretty good. So I've gone for Richard Jensen, the left-sided centre-back. I thought I thought he was absolutely terrible in the hacking game. <laughs> I was going to pick him for my worst. <laughs> there you go. Um, I didn't see the hacking game, so I'm just going for people who said they thought he looked all right on Aberdeen fans. But I watched them against Hibs, and I don't think he looked like he is somebody that will bring something to this Aberdeen side. They're obviously... Needing somebody on the left side of the fence to replace Liam Scales, who I think they were holding out hope until the end of the transfer window that he was going to come back. Then Celtic's injury problems at the back meant that wasn't going to happen, and Scales then played in the, the last Old Firm game and got man of the match for his performance. But Yedzi came in against uh, the game against Hibs. He looked comfortable on the ball. He looked like he was happy getting forward, and he actually played better defensively than anybody else in that Aberdeen back line. And he's a finisher internationally, he only, he's only got 10 caps, but he did only come into the squad uh, fairly recently. So there's a bit of pedigree as well. He's played at the top flight in, in uh, the Dutch league. So he is who I'm going for for my pick. So yeah, you thought he was terrible against Hacking. I didn't see that game. I, I, I read I read Aberdeen fans saying they thought it looked like he was going to be a decent player. So I, 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 That's the only game because I've seen bits of the other ones. But I seen, the only time I've seen him play 90 minutes was, uh, was that uh, game at home to Hacking. And I thought like everything that he tried to do everything was like in over the top of him and he felt like he, he seemed a bit lost in that game and I was surprised because he was an experienced player might just have had a bad game happens to the best of them but that was uh, as I said that was my snap judgement on and why given that you have picked him as being the best I will not pick him as the worst and I will hedge my bets a little <laughs> bit and I will go for another new player that I think got. you could have Rubicic as your worst by the way well, he he's, he's got something he's, he looks very ponderous and he is his positioning has looked quite bad as well in the games he's played so far. But he's very much up my street because he just attacks the ball constantly. Mm. Like in that, I mean that may, leads to mistakes. But I'm going to enjoy watching him. Um, I'm also very unsure on Esther Sockler, um, the new striker. A lot of money spent on him. He had two headers against Hibs in very quick succession, where both times it was the ball was knocked forward to him, and he seemed to have a head that was very weird shaped. He, he kind of headed it back both times, but both times it looked like that's not what he meant to do. It feels a little bit like they've gone well. Bojan Miofsky was a success. Let's go back out to like similar markets and and sign all of our players. And, and I mean, there's there's value to be had, no doubt, in in Eastern European markets and in southeastern European markets because. There's lots of good players there and they probably happily moved to Scotland and they're relatively cheap compared to other countries, so I can understand that. But I just think everything I've seen from him, he looks like Bojan Miofsky, like literally actually looks like him, but he doesn't seem like he's in, in the same kind of calibre as a player. And I think the reason those two are picked out is they were they were relatively big money signings. Like they, they spent a fair bit on, on both him and Jensen. So you expect when you're spending kind of medium six figures on a player... That they do something and and Sockler so far and yeah maybe just needs to hit the ground running has um, not really impressed because you could pick other guys who are like cheap squad guys but surely when you spend like the guts of guts of like three hundred grand or whatever it was on someone you want them to be better. I've gone for worst. I've gone for Ordadia because 
he's, he's, has he even played at all? I don't think he has. And that's quite concerning when their right wing back options at the moment are Nicky Devlin, who has not quite looked. Devlin's been all right, I would say, so far for Aberdeen, but no. Very palm again. Yeah, not, not somebody that you necessarily think would be starting every single week at wing back for a team that's wanting to finish third in the, in the Scottish Premiership. And Shaden Morris, who, again, I don't want to be too critical of him. He's looked much more promising this season than he did last campaign, playing in that wing-back role. But again, if that's the two players, it's meaning that Dadia isn't getting a look in at all. That's a bit weird. And that just suggests to me that he's not very good. Also, when he signed, there was the Aberdeen, one of the big Aberdeen podcasts, I think it was a ABZ one. They, they had an interview with journalists in, in Israel who basically said like oh he's uh, one kind of aspect of his game is that he's not that fast he's, he's a bit slow and then Barry Robson was, was talking him up by saying he's really quick and also he's signed to play right wing back but apparently he's a uh, kind of much better suited to playing on the right of a back four so th- does Robson even know what he signed here did he sign him well, that's what I was about to say is it is perhaps the feeling of a kind of director of football style model sometimes is that if you sign a guy that the manager just doesn't want or doesn't fancy and, and he's not maybe a, and I always think that's the, the telltale sign uh, I'm trying to think who the Scottish player was that he signed for a a club and then the manager was basically like oh, I don't want this guy or it wasn't it was it wasn't a Scottish player it was Olivier and Cham when he went to um, Marseille I'm sure Celtic yeah. pulled him there and then the coach was basically like, yeah, I didn't want this player it, it kind of when, when the manager's kind of saying very different things to what the club are saying about a player um, or what everyone else is saying, you you do wonder, and and that's if, I think the biggest flaw in that was when the manager isn't involved or doesn't have to be involved in every signing. You sometimes get guys that doesn't mean he's a bad player; he just might not fit. Because I actually thought when they signed him, I looked into him. I thought his pedigree seems all right; like you'd expect him to do reasonably well at this level. But for whatever reason, yeah, I don't, I don't think he has played a game yet, and, unless I miss one. So it's um, definitely a. a I would say a concern, but it's like, yeah, I think it's a reasonable choice to make. Right, let's move on to Celtic now. Typically a team at this point, you know, we're recording this on, on September 11th. Uh, you would know by this point usually what kind of Celtic players look good and which ones don't that have been brought in during the summer. I find this really difficult because <laughs> the majority of players are brought in other than kind of centre-backs that they've just had to play due injuries. They've not really played many. It's mostly been the same team from last season, but they have brought in a few players. So it just kind of, it took me a long time to go through each of them and try and figure out who I thought kind of looked the best. And I'm not, I'm really not happy with my my pick for for the best signing. But who is yours first of all? I had the same thought, and there's like a couple of them we haven't seen at all because they signed um, they signed Palma and they signed Paolo Bernardo on deadline day, and then neither of them uh, featured so far. So there's guys like that as well. So. I have gone for Navrocki, the centre-half, by default, basically, because I think he looks fine. They've needed an all-right centre-half for a long time, and he's okay. I don't think he's brilliant, but he, he won't be a disaster, which for a Celtic centre-half is not always a guarantee. Yeah, I did think about him and I, I kind of for similar reasons, and that, but that was ultimately why I didn't end up picking him. I, I thought, surely one of these guys that Celtic are brought in, because they have brought in quite a few. Let me just double-check that. They have brought in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight nine new players, and also Iwata was signed permanently after his loan spell last year. I, I think one of these guys will really come to the fore and be very good. And I, for what I've seen so far in the Rocky, yeah, he looks fine. 
but I'm not sure how much. Like, is he going to come in and be like Cameron Carter Vickers, but on the left side of that defence? I'm not sure about that. It, it does look better than, than Lager uh, Bielk, or, or however you pronounce it. So he's maybe got that going for him. Nat Phillips has been brought in as well. A lot of Celtic fans are really happy with that signing, and I'm not too sure about that one. I don't know how. For instance, I don't think I'm not sure how how him and, and Carter Vickers will suit each other playing domestically when Celtic are going to have a lot of the ball and Carter Vickers will very likely come back to the team when he's back in I think it's a month to six weeks time he's expected to be back in. So yeah, I did go. I did really touch the defenders. I've taken a punt on this one. I had to look at him on on Y Scout as well. And I thought, yeah, he looks fine, fine enough. Worthy of this punt. I've gone for Lewis Palmer. Uh, to come in and play as uh, another forward, somebody that can play of Kyogo, who played the majority of the last season, but the season before did have a, a kind of uh, missed periods with uh, hamstring struggles. If Kyogo goes out, I don't think they'll want to be playing O in every game. I think they'll just want him for what he was signed to be, that that kind of target man, that aerial threat that they can launch balls to when it gets to the last 10, 15 minutes of matches against a stubborn opponent and they've, they've run out of ideas into how to try to break them down. So he'll be, I reckon, kind of coming in as the Kyogo deputy, but also likely starting quite a lot on the left side. He's somebody that plays on the, who either plays up front or plays on the left side of a front three and is plays that position as somebody who likes to move inside and score goals. So I'm kind of thinking back to Brendan Rodgers' first season and his initial spell in charge of Celtic and what Scott Sinclair did. And I am pinning some hopes in terms of me being correct. Um, not hopes in terms of I want Celtic to get another Scott Sinclair because his first season, like his first season in Scottish football, because that was just destructive and Celtic never lost a single game. They already can't do that, but I don't want I don't want a similarly mm. dominant Celtic team. However, for me to be right, I um I think this is a punt that I, I'm going to be pleased with. <laughs> I'm really not. I'm not selling it well to the audience. I'm not selling it well to myself. To be to be fully honest, it's yeah. I mean, I I, I always find it hard when. Rangers and Celtic in particular sign players from foreign leagues because I feel like you have no see when see when like if Kelly signed someone from like the Greek league I would be like he's probably going to if he's played in the Greek top top flight he's probably going to be good enough to have a go with us but when Celtic do it it's like, well, he played for Aris Thessalonica good good is that good did, did was he good for them was he not was he was he all right like. How even would a good Aris would Aris Thessaloniki's best ever player in their history be a good signing for Celtic? I have no idea, um, and uh, so I, I don't know with him. But like what I read of him, he sounded like he had a wee bit of caliber and all the rest of it. So I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, he scored thirty goals last season, eleven in the league, coming off the coming off the left of um, the front three. So. That, that's that's good, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. But, but, but like, that's like more similar to Danny Armstrong. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> that's what I mean. It's like it's so hard to it's so hard to gauge, isn't it? But um, maybe he'll be good. Right. Let's move on to worst signing. I I'm not confident they'll definitely be undoubtedly the worst signing, but I'm pretty confident that this player will not end up being a good signing because it already kind of seems like why did they sign him? And Celtic are good. Celtic outside of the Postacoglu era, where they still had a couple of these, but this kind of screams a Celtic project signing that they were just so fond of during Lennon's spell, Roger's spell, Lennon's spell again. And I've got Quan 
if that's how you pronounce it, the, the South Korean midfielder signed for a million pounds from the South Korean second tier to play a position that they're already stacked with players. Doesn't make a lot of sense. There's an element of like, it almost feels like a commercial element of like, we've got some good Chinese players, eh, sorry, not Chinese, we've got some good Japanese players and we've got some good Korean players already. And let's uh, let's just bring another one in, just, just give it a go. And, and almost like try especially because they were on tour in Korea or, or played over there or were going to, oh sorry we're going to and didn't is that correct the, the, yeah I think um, that's right. there was some carry on with Korean tours in the summer it, it feels a bit like well we might as well give it a go rather than like a well thought out signing this one and yeah we've not on unlike um, both O and um, Yang who look pretty decent. Um, this guy, I'm not, uh, I'm not convinced by either. I did think about Yang, and he might be my pick if it wasn't for Palma being signed because they both kind of play the same position, the left of that front three, and Maeda's already there, so it already kind of felt a bit crowded. And I thought if there was enough faith in Yang, then why go out and sign Palma, for instance? However, I did. I think Yang could be a very good player in terms of the fact that he's somebody that looks adept at beating an opponent in a one-on-one dribble, and I think somebody for that is quite important to Celtic and to Rangers because you're going to come up against a lot of teams that are going to be organised themselves in a low block where it's a really kind of sound, solid defensive structure that they've worked on all week. And when you have somebody that can beat a man, beat that first man, because if you beat somebody, then somebody else has to come across and then the organisation of the defence could easily collapse. So he could end up being a really big player for them in that instance. I'm just not sure about what his standing is under Brendan Rodgers, the fact that they've gone out and bought another attacker to basically play in his same position. So that was why I ultimately didn't go for him, even though he has, as you said, looked fairly decent so far. For me, I, f- I felt that there was a few candidates here. He was one. Um, I'll pick someone different just to be just to be interesting. Lager Bielka, I don't think is going to be good either. However, I'm going to pick the guy who I really... Uh, actually, T- Telio, I'm not convinced he'll be great either. I feel like he would have done well under Postacoglu, but I'm not sure he will under um, under Rogers. But the one that I'm picking is the one that I really want to do badly, and I think I've, I've convinced myself as a result of that, and that is uh, Odin Thiago Home. I think I think he actually looks like he, he has a chance, but he seems very cocky. The f- whole story about him... Um, Changing his middle name to Tiago is one of the most pathetic things I've ever heard in my life. And <laughs> yeah, there's an there's an arrogance to his play that I don't think is earned, and I, and I do wonder how that will go down if he starts uh, starts having a couple of not that great performances. He looks like very okay, and I think I don't think that will go down well with Rogers. To be honest, like a, a, a like a man who has a big ego himself, I think he wants his players to not and. Yeah, I wonder. I don't. I get the sense that he thinks he should be. He's going to think he should be playing every week, and I don't think he's good enough to. And whether that will kind of cause issues, not really a judgment on him as a player, because I think he would be fine if he was a bit more humble. Right. Let's move on to the next club and go to Dundee. Who do you have for best? What what, what a selection of players to choose from here. We've got like literally literally dozens of players um, that Dundee have signed. I'm going to be boring. Um, and say that they've probably signed a goalkeeper that is going to be sensible and keep them in the division and just go for Trevor Carson. Is it the best signing? It's hard to tell because they were maybe not doing absolutely terribly in the goalkeeping position and they've had to go out and spend six figures to bring in Carson. 
And and that in itself is is that a stupid signing? Like if some could argue because you're spending a lot of money on a guy who um, only a year ago wouldn't certainly not have been a six figure player when he was getting turfed out the door at their neighbours, but undoubtedly Carson was well, one of the best, probably pound for pound the best goalkeeper in the division last season in terms of like relative to what you would expect from. I thought him. he had the best season of any goalie last yeah. year. And then you're talking about a team who have for years been plagued by not being quite good enough in goals. And then they, um, they bring in one who's who's very good. And, and that could very well be the difference. I think if you have a really good goalkeeper, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to stay up, but it gives you a really, really good chance of doing so. And I think that's going to make the difference. And, and it did mean there was that sort of revolving door moment for uh, John McCracken, who they brought in on loan from Norwich. I think he played a game or two and then he, he was straight back to Norwich. But I think ultimately you've got to be ruthless, and I think that was that was the right decision for them given given their situation. Okay, uh, you're probably right when it comes to Carson. Josh honestly is another kind of safe, boring kind of answer as well. I'm going to go for something a little bit different, just to be interesting. I'm going to go for Owen Beck, the left back that they have brought in on loan from Liverpool. Twenty-one year old, he had time on loan at a team that I'm definitely not going to be able to. To pronounce but they played in Portugal however he didn't really play for them in fact he didn't play for them at all uh, according to Wikipedia he only played nine times for Bolton uh, and only five in the league and that was in in league one as well so I think thinking uh, doesn't really see much but so far this season for Dundee he's been excellent and particularly that last game against St. Johnson a left back with a real kind of drive to, to get up and down the park and seems solid enough for his defensive duties but also exciting the crowd as well and that's yeah, that's just my pick so far. It's just been very impressive for for what they've seen. And it's it's always whenever you read uh, the thoughts of supporters on a game, you know somebody's had a really good game when opposition fans are, are circling, are like like picking them out. And that's what some Johnson fans were doing after the last game, basically saying, "Why can we not sign somebody like him? Why have we got the absolute dross that we've been saddled with?" More on that later. <laughs> I was going to say, I think St. Johnston's uh, signings might not be their biggest problem. It's the ones that are still there from before, but we'll talk about that when we get to them. But yeah, Beck looks quite nice. And like, I don't know how much related to obviously Doherty being involved at Kelly and, and got a very good Liverpool left back last season. And I wonder if there was a little bit of an influence of that in terms of, um, I'm thinking the same way, because he looks, he looks kind of in the same mould in terms of like... Uh, a footballer who happens to play left back, and I think that's sometimes what you need um, if you're going to play um, like the way that they do. Because they seem like their their fullbacks are going to get up and down the park, and um, he looks like he's quite comfortable coming inside as well. And I think that's going to be pretty important for Dundee. So yeah, I think I think he's a he's a reasonable shout. I think there's a few of their signings that, that look quite good on paper actually, and then some that look terrible that we'll get onto, and some that are just like. Like just blank faces on loan because I think uh, Boating is probably going to be a good signing, and I think um, you mentioned Shogunsen. I think Tiffany will do well, but um, there are some others who may not. We should move on to them now. Who do you have for Dundee's worst signing? Uh, surely this is unanimous here, Craig. It is uh, Diego Pineda. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> but so clearly been signed just to be a pal to another player. That cannot be a good signing. Just to be a pal to another player who himself probably isn't going to be that good. Um, that that's the that's the thing. It's, it's when you go through and you've signed a centre forward and he's he's, he's mid to late twenties and he, he basically hasn't scored any goals. That that's a bit of an alarm bell to me. And and it was the fact that they were. 
I could almost have got away with it, but for the fact that they they did that, I don't know if it was Socrates or someone else said like, um, or we asked uh, we asked Antonio Portales uh, if there was any good strikers that he played up against in Mexico, and I'm like, what what? That, that's like I thought that was something that only appeared in Football Manager and nowhere else. No, that, this man is this man is uh, I'm I'm confidently going to say is uh, is going to be very not good. I think it's already telling that he's not been in the last two squads, but in a recent game against St Mirren, he was on the bench, and so was Zach Rudden, and Dundee lost the game, so they needed goals late in the match, and they brought in Zach Rudden instead of him. That means he's not as good as Zach Rudden. That's not very good. I don't. I don't think we will be seeing his name very much. Um, so, and and that would be okay. See if, see if instead of Diego Pineda from Corre Caminos UAT, whoever they are. If instead he was uh, John Penido from on loan from Forest Green Rovers, nineteen-year-old Northern Ireland youth international that didn't play, you'd be like, right, forget about this guy. But the fact that they made such a big deal of signing a Mexican player who's in his mid twenties makes him a bad signing rather than just a nobody. Right, let's move on to Hearts, and I'm, I'm been letting you go each time, but I'll, I'll certainly let you go this time. First, anyway, we'll name their best signing because I think you're going to go for the more sensible one, whereas I'm going to go for something not not too wild, but just a, a slightly more of a punt, I think, than the, the obvious answer to this question. Right. Well, well, to me, there have been two Hearts players so far that have looked all right um, this season. Um, Frankie Kent is one of them. He looks like a very capable and competent centre back. That's who I thought you were going to go for. There's also the other player that I think we've seen a little bit of little sparks of to think this guy could be really, really good or he might not be. And I'll go for the gamble option, which is uh, Kenneth Vargas. Ah, oh, right. Well, okay, we're both going for the gamble option then. I I have liked what I've seen from Utah Oda and I've been one of few, I think, who've seen that from him. And I think Vargas is maybe cut from a similar mould in that his biggest strength is his pace and his ability to run at people. And I wonder if... Hearts can find a way to get both of them in the same lineup. That might be a way to go. Um, when you've got someone like Shanklin in the middle, it's just like a cheat code thing, isn't it? Just get fast people to run down the wing and cut them back. But Vargas looks like he's maybe got a wee bit more guile than Oda at times, or a wee bit. I don't know. I thought the the pout game in particular absolutely terrorised that fullback for like the first twenty five minutes, half an hour of that game, and then they got wise to him, but. Um, Pauk are a better team than most of what Hearts are going to face domestically. I wonder if um, if new manager Stephen Naismith might um, find some, you know, find a way to get him in the team um, a little bit more um, and kind of. It feels like a, it feels like one that could go either way. It could like as a lot of Hearts players, it could look good for a few minutes at the start and then not. But I think he could be good. Yeah, I've been as well as he's pace that was advertised before he arrived well he actually looks like he knows how to use that pace because sometimes players will have pace and not actually you'll never see it in the park because they don't know how to to take that strength that they have and implement it into a game of football it's a kind of real positive for the side as a whole he already looks like he can do that his technique is a lot better than i thought it would be when i when i kind of heard our pace merchant coming in from costa rica thinking i probably got pace and little else he technique looks pretty strong he can run with the ball and he puts in a Fair bit of work as well, so yeah, he was my he was my pick just for because if he's good and also Frankie Kent, I wonder if you'll have a place in the team, especially if they keep wanting to play with a a back four with two centre halves. How much of a space he'll have or, or how effective he'll be when Craig Halkett's back? 
because Kent's been good, but there's still a bit of a problem there with so far this season with neither heart centre halves capable of taking the ball out with their feet, and they kind of need to do that because opposition teams let hearts have the ball and just have faith that they're not going to do anything with it, which is what's happened so far this season. Kent can't really do it. He's not somebody that likes to run with the ball. He's forward passing from what I saw of at Peterborough. It was decent enough, but he's not somebody that's going to dribble out of defence. Kai Rose is somebody that could do that, but his confidence is just absolutely shot. So I think it would... You might see a return of Stephen Kingsley to, to the centre half in, in one way or another, whether that's the left side of a back three if, if Hart switched or whether that's a four. But either way, I'm not sure. I think as, as time goes... Kent may be one of those players that looks really good to start when as time goes on, his his weaknesses become a bit more apparent and and, and fans start to, to turn on him a little bit for that. I still think it'll be a, a, a good, solid signing, but you would like to think that one of these other Hearts players will come to the fore a bit more. I genuinely think Hearts have more players like that than any other club. The amount of times I hear of like Hearts' new signing being like talked up and then all of a sudden they, they disappear with uh, without a trace, but... Maybe I just uh, I'm just exposed to more Hearts fans than of any other club. Well, you you're certainly exposed to a lot of Hearts fans, right? Let's move on to the worst signing. Yeah, it's Alex Lowry. <laughs> not, he's not good. He's not good. <laughs> I'm not giving up. He's like a showreel player. He'll do it. He'll occasionally come on when you're three 0 up against someone and do a nice bit of skill and set up a goal or something. But um, I I just. He's a player who has undoubted footballing talent. I would put him in. I don't, I don't mean I think he's probably better than him, but he's in the same kind of category as someone like Kai Kennedy, one of these guys who comes through as a youth player from like Rangers and because they were the best player in their, their category at each youth level that they played at, they correctly, in a sense, get spoken about highly. But then sometimes when they come to big boys football, that's not enough. They're actually playing against other good players and unless they sharpen up and have the attitude right and work hard, they're not going to go anywhere. And I've not seen evidence from him yet that he's willing to work hard. And that's the concern I would have is that he's happy to just float about, hide from the game. When he gets the ball, occasionally he does something good. So he, like, he's still going to have moments where you know, he scores a, a winning goal or he scores a really good goal or he has a good 45 minutes or whatever. But I just think, given the hype, and maybe it's compared to the hype about this player, um, a, a lot of our fans kept saying they wanted to sign him and and, and I didn't see it. Um, Mikey Johnston's another on the same boat. It's like, is he actually good? At, at any point, this player actually shown anything. Um, so that's that's why I would pick him. I think I think there has been enough seen at, at Lowry at a top flight level, even in this short spell at Hearts where he came off the bench against Johnson and there's no danger Hearts. Well, not no danger, but I think it's... It's undoubted he had a massive impact on that game, and Hearts were a lot better after he came off the bench, and he was very good. And it's doubtful whether Hearts would have got anything for that game had he not been introduced. He's not looked good, in fact, he's looked terrible, I would say, in some games. What I really like about him is that I don't think he really suits playing on the left hand side of the midfield. I don't think he knows how to play the position, I'm not sure that is his position. And you're right, he's. To me, Lowry is not, I think we've realised quite quickly, he's not somebody that's going to be able to start every week. But he's still very young. He's on loan. It's not the kind of loan deal that you want because it's not necessarily a case of Hearts bringing in like Ryan Christie going to Aberdeen where he's easily one of your best players. I think Lowry will make an impact throughout the season, but it'll be kind of, it will be coming off the bench when we need a spark kind of thing. And if they change the system as well, 
and can do something that when he when he is introduced or when he needs to play, he can be given a bit more of a, a free role kind of as a number 10, maybe as part of a, a two-man number 10 and a, of a return to the 3-4-3 three, three perhaps, or, you know, a, a proper to the 4-2-3-1 where he, he plays behind the striker. But I'm not sure about that with Shanklin because of Shanklin's lack of pace. Regardless, I think he, I think he does have a part to play. I, I, my worst signing, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right, to be fair. I'll, I'll say that right now. My worst signing, and it gives me no pleasure to say this because it's just it's just um, really kind of bad luck. And the rumours, uh, I don't want to kind of go into what the rumours are, but if the rumours are to be believed, it's quite scary as well. Uh, so it's, I've gone for Odell Fire, whose Hearts career looks like it, it, there's a chance it might already be over because he had a, a me- what the, what's only been released as a medical uh, incident in training. That never sounds great. He was hospitalised. He's returned to Brighton. It does kind of feel like this could be one of those horrible incidents you see with players where it's kind of those real kind of big health scares that not only puts a loan move in doubt, but actually puts like a career in doubt. There's there's no more kind of confirmation other than that, that what I know of. There's a lot of kind of whispers uh, going around the, the Hearts uh, fan base as to how serious uh, this, this incident actually was. Um, but it just seems like it's a player that Hearts aren't going to now be able to have for the next few months and potentially for the rest of the campaign. And, you know, in, in the benefit of hindsight, they, you know, would have used that, whether they paid a fee for the loan or how much his wages are paying, I'm, I'm not too sure. But, you know, in hindsight, they probably would have tried to get somebody else. But, obviously, you can never... You can never never tell when this kind of thing is going to happen. I don't feel like that's a bad signing because that's just bad luck. Like, uh, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's a bad signing because it's bad luck. But it's, it's not his fault. He's... Doesn't for what little saw him, he looked like somebody who could uh, come in and, and be a handy player, but doesn't look like he's going to get the chance now. That was just basically a cop out for me. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I read between the lines, Craig. Don't you worry, <laughs> the listeners did too. Right, let's move on. Hibs best signing for Hibs. Right, I'm I'm going in. I'm going to. Um, I'll take the not controversial. I'll take the different option. I'm going to go for Adam Fondra. All right, nice. I, I don't think that's a bad shout. I I think I spoke about him before. Like he's one of these players. Like his entire time in the English lower leagues, every time you watch him, you're like, "Oh, this guy is a good player, and this guy's entertaining, and this guy is really talented." And like he does stuff that not a lot of other forwards can do. And when he played for Reading, like in particular, the goals he scored and the fact that he was just constantly scoring. And then you see him obviously disappeared to Australia, and he continued to score at a, a phenomenal rate out there. But that says absolutely nothing because. Well, I think uh, Jamie McLaren just became the all-time top goal scorer in the A-League. Um, Jamie McLaren did all right in spells here, but like that's the sort of Jason Cummins scoring all the goals. That doesn't mean much, but the fact that what it did say is that he's still, he's still obviously fit enough to play football. And then, so you wondered with Hibs, it's about a culture signing and stuff, coming here and all that. And the fact that he already has scored, has scored a couple of fantastic goals and, and just generally been scoring goals suggests he's not done, he's not finished, he's not going to be playing every week for Hibs. And then you think, oh, that's going to be a bit of a problem for him because the manager who, I, know, I mean, I know he's, he was obviously brought in with his length with McDermott, who's still at the club, but the manager who kind of obviously knew him and had a bit of faith in him is gone. 
but they've just appointed a new manager who has literally come from the A League and will obviously know what he's all about. And unless they have like you know fallen out at the touchline at the Central Coast Stadium, which has the uh, tomato sauce bottles behind the goals, then um, I don't know if you've ever seen this. Look it up. Big massive uh, tomato sauce and mustard bottles behind the goals because of a sponsorship deal. So unless they've fallen out there, he's still got a manager who's going to know what he can do and have a bit of faith in him. And I think there are other players on this list who have signed who will be good. But uh, I think over the term, in terms of like setting standards and stuff, I think he's going to be one of these guys that will be talked about as like a really important sign. Maybe like Chris Burke at Kelly or something, like an older guy who comes in and, and just does everything right and folk learn a lot from him as well. Right, well, let me go for the option that is quote-unquote boring. And I say quote-unquote because you can never call this man boring. I'm going for Ellie Yuhan. Yes. Doesn't matter if he plays. It doesn't matter if he justifies the feet. Doesn't matter. He's just he's a thoroughly entertaining player to watch. He absolutely. When people say you don't know what he's going to do, Elian is like the epitome of that. You have no idea what he's going to do because he does some of the weirdest shit you can see in a football field. But he does have a. He showed last season that he can create goals. He can score goals. He's a very fast player. He likes to run with the ball. He's exciting to watch. He's maddening if you're a Hibs fan, but. He is box office, and I would it would be remiss of me, uh, or remiss of us as appearing, not to mention him as his potential best signing, because he doesn't even have to be the best player of this lot, and he can still be the best signing. Well, he's going to make Kip's money as well. I don't know how much they ended up having to pay for him. But 700 sell, grand, I think. They will sell him for more than that. I'm, I'm pretty confident that that will be the case, unless he, he kind of falls off a cliff, that if, they wanted to, if they'd wanted to sell him in the deadline day just there, they would have got more money than they paid for him. Um, and I think... If he has a good season, which I think he will, then then they will make money off him. Who have you got for worst? This was a a wee bit tough in the sense that there are a couple of players on there who have had good seasons in Scotland before, um, and have not. Well, I would say Levitt started all right, and Will Fish. I'm going to assume that Will Fish is not going to be as bad as he's shown for the rest of the so, season. So I think I'm going to have to go for the only other player on the list. Um, basically, that that is. Riley Harbottle by yeah, I've got him as well by default. Like, I he may he may have the same Will Fish redemption story. Um, stupid name played right back in his first game, played badly at it. Maybe he'll, he'll redeem himself because every other signing they've made, like Wallacott, we've obviously not really seen with the, his injuries, but I think he's got pedigree. Boric, a young keeper or youngish keeper who they probably don't want to see, and Obita. might not be that good, but probably he's not going to play that much, and he's already given them a really big moment. Harbottle felt like a squad filler. That's what he's going to be. And yeah, I think Venti's going to be quite good. So I can't, yeah, the money is obviously a gamble on him, but I think it'll probably prove reasonably well spent. So yeah, I actually, I actually considered Venti for my best signing because I think he's going to score a lot of goals with Boyle and, and Yuhan either side of him, helping to create chances. Yeah, I went for Harbottle as well. Abita is somebody I did think about because it already seems like. He's not good enough to beat out Lewis Stevenson at left back. Lewis Stevenson seen off somebody else, incredibly, at 35 years old. But Abita does have that, what would you call it, versatility about him. Yeah. He can play on the left, he can play at wing back, he can play at the, the back. He'll, he'll, he'll be coming off the bench, he'll be filling in, he'll, he'll, he'll kind of do... He's an honest pro, he'll do a job, that kind of boring thing. He'll be a, probably a 5 out of 10, 6 out of 10 across an entire season. He looks like he can play Obita. Like you look, like you watch him, you're like, oh yeah, you you have clearly played at an all right level. It doesn't mean a lot, but it means like he's not going to he's not going to do disastrous things all the time. Whereas Hardbottle's never really. He was terrible. Yeah, 
And I mean, people can say, well, he's playing out of position at right back. I don't look, he's actually played right back a few times before. It's not a position that he was completely unfamiliar with. And he was really bad. And his last club was Mansfield Town. Not sure how well he did there, but it's obviously that's not a great level of football. And, I mean, just look at him as well. He seems to be somebody that's got, like, he's got a decent touch for a centre-half, but doesn't really have so much else going for him. He doesn't want a lot of his headers. He's six foot one. I believe he's, I think Hibs have listed it, like, he's listed at six foot three in Wisecout. He's certainly not that. Uh, absolutely no doubt about that. He's six one, but he even looks shorter than that. And that's not, it's not great. I always wonder with these things, who's measuring them? Is, is <laughs> I know, like, has this just been estimated from a picture or is like someone kind of going out to the training grounds with a measuring tape? I think Hibs maybe had them listed 187 centimetres, so maybe they have measured them. And 187 centimetres is just over six foot one. Yes, I'm always curious about this because I'm like, how, how do you know? Like, it's really it's really not part of like an assessment. It's not like in the NHL where they do their, uh, what do you call it, the um, the weird like warm-up stuff before the draft where they've got them like jumping over barrels and all that shit. Like... What's that called? Oh, the combine. Combine, yes. It's not like they do that. I can imagine that being part of a footballer's one. Like, how tall are you? Just get them, get them on, get them up to the measuring tape. They might even lie about that as well, because I know that the basketball players have lied about their height in order to... Some some don't like to be identified as seven foot because of, like, how they're perceived. So this lie and say they're shorter than some basketball players who are quite short will lie and say they're taller, so... They're still even even in that sport where they kind of reg, reg, uh, kind of regulated one league. It, it's still you still got a lot of fibs. So there's definitely a lot of it in football. Some of the some of the heights you see on Wisecout, you're like absolutely no danger. Is that true? <laughs> right. Let's move on to your team, Kilmarnock. Who is your best signing? Why is it Robbie Dees? Well, yeah, it is. It is Robbie Dees. Like I, I think I think looking at this list, there are a lot of good signings on this yeah. list. I hope I'm I hope I'm proven right on that. Um, like in fact, almost all of them. I find it hard to pick a bad one. I'll, I'll talk about three options. I think I have for that. Um, but these looks every bit a Premiership centre half and a good Premiership centre half. Um, and to be doing that four games into your Premiership career um, as a relatively young player is quite impressive. A very, very, very solid in the air. Not the best on the deck, but not so bad that it's going to get found out and, and quite versatile like moves all right all the all the things you want from a centre half I did I did consider I think in terms of like long term these will be the best player I think so far Comarno's best player this season has been Matty Kennedy um, so you could have you could have gone for him but he's going to be like a long running stalwart of the squad now also just came just got beaten Kazakhstan which just counted against him I think on international duty but um Happens to the best of them, but yeah, I think I think like you can look at all the defenders that have been brought in to start and the back three that have started most games have all been brought in this summer, um, and then several others as well. Like um, have all looked good, but I think these is the one that that you would pick out as unless something drastically changes, he will probably end up assigning this season. Right, you're the Kelly fan, so obviously you. Talk with authority about these, so I've got him as well. So there's no really any point in me adding anything to this discussion, and we're already kind of running quite over time wise anyway. So let's move on to worst. Who do you have? Because I've got, I've got this was hard for me. I've only seen, I think I've only seen Kelly once so far this season, and that was against Celtic in the League Cup. So it was obviously hard to pick anybody out for that game and go, oh, he looks like a bad signing when everybody for Kelly was excellent that day. 
So I had, to, I had to quickly look at some of your signings and look at some clips of them. And I think I've come up with one, but I would treat to see if you have the same guy, or at least if this guy is in your three that you think could be the worst signing. Well, to me, the only three... Well, sorry, there's four. Sorry, um, is that true? Yeah, there's four that I can think of, which are the two goalkeepers. Now, Will Dennis, I thought was going to be terrible. He, almost no pedigree, most of his football, lower league in England. Since he's came into the team, he's not really put a foot wrong. There's not been a goal we've conceded with him in the team that I've thought, you should have got that. And he's kept a couple of clean sheets and he's big and he's commanding. That pushes me towards the other goalkeeper, Kieran O'Hara, who I thought was going to be the first choice, but has um, not played yet. Played, played a couple of games in the Challenge Cup and apparently wasn't the best, but hard to judge on um, with that. An Ireland international played in League One for a long time in England, so you don't think he's going to be rubbish. Um, and, I, and I would still expect him to maybe supplant um, supplant his, or supplant Dennis as number one. Then the other two are just guys I haven't seen much of. Like Tom Davies' only appearance was he started against um, Ross County in the last game out. He was fine, didn't do anything interesting. But in terms of like the pedigree of all the players, he's the one that looks like he should be the worst because. His only major first-team experience was on loan in the bottom six of the Welsh top flight, where he scored a lot of goals as a kind of left wing-back. Um, but, I mean, the standards of the bottom six of the Welsh league, given that Ballatown were uh, swept aside by um, by Queen's Park, um, and I, I, I will not comment any further on Welsh football, was said something. And the only other one, because we've basically not seen him, is Andrew Dallas, whose previous time in Scotland wasn't brilliant, but he scored a lot of goals in non-league in England. Bad vibes with that name. Oh, exactly, um, especially at Rugby Park. But who did, I'll go for Davies just for the reason I said. But I think it could be one. It could be one of the goalkeepers um, quite easily come the end of the season. We both got the same. From looking at Davies, looks very committed. I have to say, he, he was charging about the place, throwing his body in the way of stuff. Didn't look like much of a technical player, and didn't ever. I don't know if he ever like. I think he maybe made a tackle in the opposition box, but other than that, I'm not sure he actually touched the ball in the opposition half during his time in the park. So it's not the type of guy who's going to run down the flank and get whip crosses in for you. So for that reason, I put him down as worst. I think he nearly scored. Um, I missed it because I was a wee bit late getting into the game, but I heard they had a good chance against Ross County um, just before I arrived. But um... yeah, I think that was it was a cross in the box and it was a header that he went up for that he, he didn't. He, he wasn't far away from. He was only signed to be squad depth because I think first choice left wing backs and Daba, who's now picked up an injury, and um, then Kennedy could play there, but we didn't have a striker, so he couldn't play there. Um, so there was. Um, I don't think we'll see much of him. Right, let's go to Livingston. Wonder if we've both got the best for this one. I think we might. I've got Mike, yeah. I've got Mikey Devlin. Yeah, who else you pick? Like, um, I think the rest of them are going to be. Meh. Sangari might be okay, but probably not. Devlin is the one that if he's if he's fit, he'll be a really good sign. And if he's not fit, then he won't be. Um, yeah. Basically, simple as that. He's he's a solid centre half at this. Like, he played for Scotland like not that long ago, and was I mean that was a bit weird in the first place, but you could kind of understand it and. Um, Again, if he, if he had remained fit through his entire Aberdeen career or his entire Hibs career, then he wouldn't be now playing for Livingston. Yeah, that that's that's fair enough. It does kind of... I mean, I think it's a bit early to say... People say, like, oh, did Hibs make a mistake just just letting him leave it or not even giving him a single game last year? I think that's very premature. He came on at centre-forward. <laughs> <laughs> They're also... I mean, they're completely different clubs in terms of how they set out to play each game. Mikey Devlin's Mikey Devlin is a very, 
I don't want to discredit him and say that he's absolutely useless in the box. We've seen, of course, his time at Hamilton and Aberdeen that he's he's not a big dumpling, but he's also not a, a particularly great footballer for a centre half either. So playing for Hibs and playing for Livingston is going to be two different things. And Livy, he can sit back a bit more and concentrate more on his physicality and his height, which are two of his his bigger attributes. You're right, of, of the rest of their signings, there's a lot they just haven't really played. I mean, Sangari has played most of the time and kind of looks a wee bit better further forward than he does further back in that midfield set. But otherwise, Livy have really just gone with the same guys that last season. So it's it's a difficult one to to pick out and, and say that oh he, he's going to be... Because Livy is really... Like, like one of the big Glimson players this season has been Luigi De Lucas, who came in last season and was kind of in and out of the side and you want to show what you're going to get for them. That seems like a very smart piece of business for Martindale in, in two ways. One, he looks a very good player. And two, he, he signed him in January and gave him time to bed in, knowing that Jack Fitzwater was probably going to be going. So he, he was able to now hit the ground running now that he's been trusted upon to be a regular member of that back three. But there's other guys that really just, like a lot of players that Levy have signed in the past, where they sign them and Martindale works with them or sends them out on loan to get them more used to either their style of play or to Scottish football, and then they make the win. But it's just hard to tell a number of these other guys because like, some of them haven't been seen. Miles Welsh hasn't been seen. <sighs> yeah, and yeah, um, Danny, Danny McKay could be a good player at this level if he can, like, he needs consistency. Like a, a couple of times, he came on loan to us when we were in the championship, and he had a couple of games where he like really ran at fullbacks, and he's like quick, and his crossing's really good. Um, I think we saw that, but it was yeah, it was he put in a, a couple of fantastic crosses at Hamden for for Inverness in the Scottish Cup run, I think as well. So there's like potential there for Mackay, but he's been very inconsistent. Um, so I wouldn't want to pick him because he could just as easily do nothing. But the rest of them, it's like yeah, well, what, what do you say? Like they're like. They are. You're, you're right. They're, like we talked about, Kelly and almost all the signings have come straight in the team. For Levy, it's like they're just kind of fiddling about the edges and sticking with last year's guys. So who do you have for worst? Because I actually think this is easy. But I, I mean, you've got something different. I went for Michael Nottingham on the basis that he's a 34 year old centre half coming from like a really low level of football. Like right. he's really just not going to play. Like if you do, like he's really not going to be very good. He might, he might have experience in all those things, but I just don't see any sense in which he could possibly be a Premiership-level player. Well, I've gone for the guy who signed a four-year contract and can't play in Scottish football. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I thought about him. but I, 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 Teto. There's something odd about this um, this deal, I have to say. But um, I, I, he's, he's not. I, I'm taking him as he's not been signed for this season anyway, so just, um, just ignore him. But I know where you're coming from. Odd deals, Livingston. Never. Come no, on. no further comment. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Motherwell. Who have you got for best? Oh, uh, it's hard because uh, I don't think any of the ones that they've brought in have been fantastic. Um, but because I would have said Beareth, but I don't know if we'll see him again because yeah. he looked really good in the, the very short amount of time that they brought him in. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really struggling. Spencer looked all right against us. He's my pick. Brody Spencer's my yeah. pick. He looked, he looked good against Kamarnock. He looked good against Hearts. And that's despite the fact he's playing out of position uh, left wing back. And that's due to the fact that Motherwell signed Papi Soari to play left wing back. He didn't look particularly good. 
But then he got injured and he, he's going to miss a few games. But he's going to be back soon. So I think that Spencer, because Motherwell still kind of need a right wing back because Stephen O'Donnell played well towards the end of last season under Stuart Kettlewell. I'm not sure if he's really kept it up so far in this campaign. Paul McMullen's getting a bit older in terms of him playing right wing back. He's probably best on the on the right of a, a back three or, or right back of the play well back four. But Spencer, having looked so good, Playing at a position I don't think he's ever actually played before in a competitive game on the left side of the fence as opposed to the right where he naturally plays. I think that's very impressive and you would expect him to then maybe even take it up a step once he's able to go over to the right if they're happy enough to have Suarez come back in. He's very left-footed, sorry, he's very one-footed and that foot is his right, which I think will ultimately be a problem if he has to play on the left for for all the season. That would just be a weakness that will eventually other clubs will learn about and start to exploit and just basically try and make him cut inside. But he's he's got a lot of energy. He's got a lot of confidence in bombing up and down that wing. And I think it's impressive. It, I've said the word impressive about four or five times, but it, that's exactly how you would, you would describe his start, especially considering his age. He's still only 19. Yeah. There's certainly a lot to like there. What I would say from him is what we have seen from him so far would not be enough to make him the best signing at most clubs, but like none of the other ones I've signed have really like. Yeah, the guys who have played like, so far this season for Motherwell have been mainly players who were there. They were already there last yeah, campaign, like Blair Spittle and Callum Slattery, yeah. and, and Miller. And, um, yeah, and Lennon and, Miller. Is that so? Does Drovsky, the Macedonian guy, could be good? There's like a bit about calibre for him, but he's not done anything yet. Obika coming in permanently, well. You know what you'll get from him. But he's actually—I've got him down as my worst signing. Have you? Um, because he's out till December. He's out to December. They are probably they already brought in our forward and Ollie Shaw. He could maybe be worse signing, to be fair. But the brought in Connor Wilkinson, who looks like he might be a bit better than Obika and Theo Bear. I mean, Obika's undoubtedly knows how to play the position better. Is a better technical player, but his mobility is terrible. He's injured. He's he's had problem with injuries. He's not a great goal scorer anyway, and he didn't really look good or that good when he came on loan last season before his loan was made permanent. He was okay enough. The best thing he contributed was that he was a he was a foil. He was a he was a partner for Kevin Van Veen to have, and without that real talisman playing alongside him, I don't think Obika will look as good even when he is fit. I think all the forwards have it's a type because they've signed. Yeah, we've got five forwards on this list, and apart from Ollie Shaw, they're all facilitators of like big. Big units that kind of make other people do things. I still pick Theo Bear. I think he's he's um, he's very very limited as a player. He does he does run around a bit, but he he's surely not going to score more than like he scored one goal already by mistake, and I don't think he's going to score like more than another two all season. Okay, let's move from Motherwell on to Rangers. Who do you have for best? There's only one choice here. It's Jack Butland. Yeah, I've got um, the rest. Well. I'm, an honourable mention, I will say, to Cifuentes, who looks like he could be not terrible, but the rest of them have, have stunk the joint out so far, and, and Butland's been pretty good. So that was the easiest, probably the easiest choice of the day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there was a bit of doubt amongst us that Butland was going to come in and be good, but I think he just... He hadn't played much. Yeah, like... but I think we see it with goalkeepers. When goalkeepers come in and they've got a, a certain amount of... We've got an amount of pedigree where they've played for England because we were the same when Joe Hart came in. It's like, oh, is Joe Hart going to be crap? And Joe Hart's crap for Celtic in Europe. But domestically, he, he's he's good. He's obviously going to be good. Like, he didn't play at that higher level and then come into the Scottish top flight when you're facing up against the likes of John Abika. And you're not going to look, you know, decent 90% of the time. 
And Butland's not only done that, where he's looked decent in, in Scottish football, but he's also produced for Rangers on the continent already as well. So you're 100% right. An absolute no-brainer for best. Who do you have for worst? Well, it's the choices here. If it's purely on who is the worst player out of this list, it's uh, Dujon Sterling. He looks terrible. Um, however, he was free or cheap. Spending four million quid on Sam Lammers looks like an absolute disaster of a signing. Yeah, he's who I've got, Lammers, because it's just a four million price tag. And it's just, as Ewan said on our Patreon when we talked about Rangers last week, that is patreon.com forward slash terrorist podcast if you'd like to listen to that. Very good podcast there. Ewan was did very well to break down all of the multiple problems that are facing this Rangers first team at the moment. But he really went in depth about the Lammers signing and just how it really made little sense. He was a, a, for, a forward who's never really scored any goals wherever he's went. He's, and yeah, I think he's only had one spell throughout his career where he scored consistently like one season. Otherwise, he gets, you know, drips and drabs every campaign. They sign him to come in and they don't even play him at centre forward. They play him as like an attacking midfielder, a position that it really doesn't look like he suits at all. And also with Lammers. I mean, there's players... There was somebody we didn't talk about for Harps that I thought we maybe would have talked about. Kiyosuke Tagawa. He doesn't look great so far, but I think the worst thing about him is that he just disappears for the game for long periods. So to me, when you're bringing in somebody from abroad and you just don't see them in a match, I think that says that they're still bedding in. And it might just be that's the type of player they are. But... When you have a new signing coming in, you, they just don't make much of an impact. You're not seeing them for the first few games. It could just be that they're taking a bit of time to get up to speed with the tempo of the game, how Scottish football's played, etc., etc. With Lammers, he makes himself seen every single game, and he really shouldn't. I was the the uh, when he took it round, uh, took it round Hart uh, in the old firm game. That was a lovely wee bit of footwork, only to follow up by um, slamming it into the side net, and that was him. But um, that that summed him up, I think. The other forwards have brought in like Dessers. Four million quid on a guy his age uh, seems a bit a bit risky to me, but there's at least been little bits of seeing what he kind of can do. And Danilo, it's weird that they signed him on top of the other ones, but like he looks like he at least could do something. Like his pedigree suggests he could, but Lammers like nothing about him says good signing at all. It certainly doesn't. Right, let's move on to Ross County. Who do you have for best? Uh, I'm going to go for uh, James Brown. Boring answer, I think. Um, especially like he's not as boring as the other James Brown, but no, he's uh, right back. Came in, um, just looks just looks like a really pretty solid right back. And when you're a team who are pretty, have had a defensively like a poor defensive record, basically the last two seasons in the top flight, just having good defenders that you can bring into the um, bring into the team just makes a big difference. He's just like a guy who you can rely on. Yeah, that is. He's stood out so far, I think, as Ross County's best player easily so far this season. A very impressive right back. They've been fairly good at signing these guys over recent seasons. If you think about Harry Clark when he first came in playing right back, and I'm trying to remember they had somebody, was it last season? They had somebody that was decent? Or am I just making this up? No, I mean, they've, they've, they, I'm trying to think who they had. Um, you think, you'd think we would remember. Um, the, it's like, it's like when a team starts being a revolving door of faces, though. Like, uh, <laughs> I'll just type it in here. Yeah, no, it's a different, it's player, a different player every week. Um, a different player every season. Because Connor Randall not played right back last season, or was... He was injured for most... No, no, Randall played 31 times, so maybe... Aye, so no, that's wrong. Who they've, was been, they've, been, they've, had, they've had other good um, fullbacks. In, in ah, the... Callum Johnson. 
he left halfway through. I think he was on loan, and he, his loan deal expired in January, but he was decent on the right side of the fence as well. So they've managed to, with the exception of Conor Randall, who, to be fair, has been a serviceable player for County throughout his time. They, they had Clark, who was impressive. I think Johnson was fairly impressive, and Brown looks the same. So Malky Mackay, so far, shown himself to be pretty adept at spotting a right-back. Good for him. Who do you have for worst? Uh, not because I think he's the worst player, but because I think the amount of money they're rumoured to have paid for him is um, is way too high. Is uh, Jay Henderson? Um, I can, I did consider him. Yep, I've always quite liked the look of him. Like he's he's had some moments in the top flight, but St Mirren obviously decided he wasn't for them. He did reasonably well in won the championship last season. And if he had been available for free, I think he's a player that a lot of Premiership clubs might have taken a wee um, a wee punt at. But it was rumoured to be a six-figure sum for him. And and I, I think that's a big gamble. Now, I know they've obviously made a, a fortune from, from Ross Stewart selling. So maybe there's... And, and obviously their owner is a, a demented billionaire. But um, they have um, to have the money to throw about. But it just felt like an, an odd signing. We've not really seen a lot of them. I don't know if he's been injured, but we've not seen a lot of them at all so far. And I actually think beyond that, like much of their business has been quite good. Yeah, I've seen solid enough. My worst was Max Sheaf, because he's only appeared in three League Cup games all off the bench, and he's not been seen since. So all and, and the the fact his club were like the the, the way it, the the way the deal was all announced was was very weird with like how many goals he scored at um in the sixth the sixth or seventh tier of English maybe seventh tier I think it was a very low level. Um, but you don't know. Sometimes you can pick out these gems and they might be all right. But they also what I kind of. Even further solidified my, my feeling on that signing was that they went out and made another signing. I think it was on deadline day. It's not been updated on the county. Who did they bring in? They brought in another player. Oh, Scott High yeah. from Huddersfield. Who Huddersfield fans really didn't rate, but he was playing in the championship. So I think he might be okay in that, that county midfield. But the fact they were seeking to, to recruit another central midfielder when they already had a few and had signed a few... Kyle Turner, somebody who could end up being one of the, the best signings of, of County Summer by the end of the campaign. But Sheaf was obviously signed to play centre mid. He's not really been seen. So the fact that County are going in and bringing somebody else above him means that he's just unlikely he's ever going to get a look in or you know, play. <laughs> like it, it was a gamble and it doesn't look like the gamble's going to work out. Right, we've only got two teams to go. Now we are at St. Johnson. Best has got to be an easy one, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely look Jeff Cott. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean they go. I mean they go. Uh, it's, uh, their goalkeeper is every single week. You just hear about how good St Johnston's goalkeeper is. Um, that maybe points to other issues, but nonetheless, he um, got his first Bulgaria call up as well. Um, and so, yeah, um, well done. They, they've they've got a good one. Dimitar Mitov or Mitov. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know his name. I was just uh, I was just. You know, I like you do a second mention. I was just doing the second mention before the first one, um, but yeah, yeah, he looks he looks like a kind of like quite a like an imposing goalkeeper as well. Like he kind of one of the organises the team and all the rest of it. Like he's not just good at saving things; he's like quite in command of of his box and all the rest of it. So, yeah, I think I think he's going to be very busy this season. So it's probably just as well they've they've signed a good one. Who's your worst signing? Lot to choose from here, yep. or at least. Like I think, I think some of the guys have brought in are good, but like a handful of the ones they've brought in, I think there's no way they're going to be good. And I think um, based on his debut, I'm going to go for Dara Costello. 
and it feels like an absolute um, chancer, like one of these guys that's going to turn up and like just not fancy it, just not want to be here and just half arse everything and only play like three or four games and be away back up the road in January. Could easily be the case. I I found it difficult to pick between all these loan players that they brought in. So I wanted to go for somebody that stood out a bit more and I wanted to go for somebody who was signed permanently. That, that immediately cut my options down quite a lot to only the six players from the seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven they brought in in total. I thought about Jeff Cox. I've really not liked to look at him so far. But I would maybe actually go instead for Uladari Ulufonwa. Yeah. From Liverpool, who started the season playing in the side at right back. Didn't look good to me. Has already been dropped out. It was dropped out of the team for the Dundee game. So that's a game at home that you're looking to go and win against a, a team who you would fancy to also be a relegation candidate if you're just thinking about survival. You'd probably want somebody on the right side of defence who was good going forward. And instead they played James Brown. They played the the, the you know the five out of ten defence only player. And I think that tells you about Ulufunwa's start to his St. Johnson career and that he's looked very, very raw. And that's probably being kind as well. As hard as it, as harsh as that is to say about a young player, I, I thought the, the the night we did the podcast, it was a, it was at the Dundee game. Was it Dundee that beat them? And we um, talked about and and every single one of their new signings that was at playing outfield, like all of them had absolute disasters, and he was like just very not- notable. And all, and I think got subbed at half time. He just yeah, he just looks like one of these guys that has a lot of physicals that make people think, I think McClellan's probably in the same boat, like a lot of the physicals that make people think he should be a good player, and then if it doesn't tick, they just look rubbish. Yeah. Okay, our final team is St Mirren. Who do you have for best? I find this quite hard, I think the only one that's been obviously good so far has been McMenamin, but they did spend a lot of money on him, Um, so you'd expect that, but um, I think it's him. Yeah, I've seen McMenamin... In the per- in the flesh, God, I've seen something in the flesh three times so far this season. I mean, fuck you. Been down. To, <laughs> they've been playing well to be fair. Been down to Paisley twice, and I also saw them at Easter Road for a Hibs game. And McMenamin has impressed. He's the type of player that he's going to. He just he's a footballer who doesn't do an awful lot wrong. I don't think he's got particularly many standout attributes for an attacker, but he plays well every single game. He's got a good touch. That is one thing to say about him. And he, he seems a very intelligent player. I think it's probably the the best way of putting that. I reckon, I was thinking about this during the Aberdeen game. He's the type of player at the end of the campaign, he'll get supporters player of the year and his stats will read five goals and three assists. There won't, won't be a lot there to, kind of set, like, to build a highlights package around, but he'll just go out most weeks and put in at the very least a seven out of ten performance. Yeah, and he's been—I mean, he's playing every game for Northern Ireland and stuff. So there's obviously—I mean, I know they're not very good, but like they're still obviously because I think the risk is that when you get, bring in a guy for like a fee that's come from part-time football, like and hasn't really—and he's that age. He's not like he's not like he's young. You wonder whether he'll step up, but it looks like it's, he's not found it any hassle at all. And who do you have for worst? 
I find this a bit hard, but I think I, I think we talked about him on the podcast last week. I think it's Stav Namani by default because I think they brought him in as a a forward player. He they, 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 it was a bit one of these that took a wee while um, for him to get get it over the line because of permits and all the rest of it. That's always an alarm bell because if you've the, the, the amount of time that the opportunity for the players to be built up before he actually gets announced, and then. We've not seen a lot of him. Um, he came on and scored a double, I think, on his debut in the League Cup. And then we've not seen a lot of him. And they were desperately trying to bring in another forward on deadline day, which they didn't ultimately do. That kind of thing suggests, well, actually, they've probably either had to look at him and thought he's not not there yet, or they, they were kind of more, it's more like a long-term plan. You know, bring him in, hope that he does enough, and, they, and then bring him in permanently because he's obviously a young player. I think the rest of the business has been good. I think um, Thierry Small is very much on a precipice because he, he looked like he was talented last season, but also a couple of times let them down. So I, I think it would be a make or break for him. He could easily end up the worst. Um, but yeah, don't know who else you could go for. I've not been that impressed with what I've seen from James Bolton so far. He's mainly come off the He's mainly come off the bench to play centre-half, so then it allows Gogic to go into the midfield when the midfield's tiring. But he looks a little bit shaky, I would say, from what I've seen from so far. But it is early days. But you're right, it's a hard one to pick because Mandron, you probably thought at the outset, oh, that's a bad signing. He's looked fairly decent. He's looked a lot better than us. I mean, certainly did a mother one. Zach Hemin. Zach Hemin could end up being... I, I'm not really bought into a lot of the, oh, Hemin will be good because he's got his family up with him now, whereas last season he didn't after having a good year at Kilmarnock. I think a lot of people are forgetting that there's a big step up between the Scottish Championship and the Scottish top flight. And just because Zach Cameron was very good in the Scottish Championship does not mean he's going to be good in the top flight. And yeah, it might have been he was poor last season for Kamarnock because he didn't have his family up with him. It could have just been that he's not very good at this level. And he, he, had, he had a bit of a shocker against Aberdeen as well. So. Pinning all their hopes on him um, was odd, I would say. like I, I thought when they signed him, I'm like, do you know what, that's a good bit of business. If they then bring in another goalkeeper... But- but they obviously have sold Carson, and then they've not got, they've not brought in another goalkeeper, so that's a risk, I would say certainly. Okay, that'll do us, Craig. Thank you very much for joining me. Very welcome. It ended up a lot longer than I thought it would be. Yeah, I always start, I always start like compensating by talking a lot at the start because I'm like, this might not stretch out the time, and then we have the opposite problem. Yeah, we went for half an hour longer than we really needed to. But I hope those of you listening at home or on your travels or whatever you're doing thoroughly enjoyed mine and Craig's conversation on the best and worst signings. If you'd like to hear more from us at the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast, then then you should head over to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. The cheapest tier is only £2 a month. There's really not much you can get these days for £2, period let alone a month, and that will give you hours and hours of content, and if you're feeling a little flush, you can even go up to the £5 tier and get all the bonus content that we've ever recorded for the Patreon. So that goes back about five years as well, so there's just so much stuff there for you to dig into. There truly is loads. Yes. Like, the amount of times they come, like, oh, the list on my podcast player like just extends beyond what I've got time to listen to, but... See, that's it. We give you so much stuff that you can't even find. And then you can pick in. and choose. You don't yeah, have to exactly. listen to them all. It's uh, yeah, pick and mix. It's a variety. Anyway, go over there. Patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. And that's us. We'll be back on Thursday. And unless there's any late call-offs, it should be Telford and Sean. 
not exactly sure what they'll have in mind, but it'll be something lower league related, that is for certain. And we'll also have a recap of the Scotland-England game definitely going up as well. That might just be a Patreon. However, if it's another tremendous result for Scotland, it'll be going on the main feed. Goodbye! Sports Social Podcast Network.